0: shows are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others welcome to the adventures in tech podcast talking the latest tips and trends in educational technology to innovate and engage your students here are your hosts andrew and dan Welcome to episode number 22 of the Adventures in Tech podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Andrew.
1: My name is Dan.
0: And we are super excited you are joining us on this venture. As always, if you like the content, please help us out by providing feedback and a rating on wherever you download your podcast from. We greatly appreciate your support. We also want to say, please share out the podcast. We're getting a lot of great feedback from people all over the world, and we do truly appreciate it. So before I go off the rails like uh, I typically do, as Dan's already laughing at me, I'm not going to go off the rails, Dan. We're not Liar. Nope, we're not Liar. gonna. Liar! I sit on a throne of lies. <laughs> you sit on a throne of lies. <laughs> you want to go to war? <laughs> Anyways, I'm trying to stay focused, folks.
1: Okay, we can
0: do this. Pull. It we together. are going to skip the "Would You Rather" this week, and we <sighs> do really. Really, be, I was I get excited for it every okay, week. Okay, fine, I got one. Here we go. We're gonna hit you quick with it. Would you rather attend Hogwarts or become a Jedi? I would rather become a Jedi. Yeah, okay. Me too. I mean, yeah. Hands down. That's it. You know, Absolutely. it's kind of fitting. You know, the May 4th is coming up. May the fourth be with May you. May the fourth be with you is it's coming a, up rather quickly. Which is uh,
1: also someone's birthday.
0: It is. It is. Yes. He who shall not be named. Exactly. Uh, we will protect the identity. <laughs> he is in the witness protection program. Yeah, I think Jedi as well. But some people are big Harry Potter fans. So, yes, nothing wrong with Harry Potter. Nothing wrong with Harry Potter, but I'd rather be hanging with uh, Chewie. And I'd rather have that Jedi mind trick and a down. Wookie, yeah. And yeah. And just a lightsaber's badass, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway... Um,
1: Is that going to affect
0: our rating right there? uh, No, it's it's okay. Sorry, I'll bleep it out. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Dan got too excited his headphones came unplugged. (laughs) He is literally unplugged now. All right. So we are going to skip classroom updates because we do have part three of something that we have been super excited about and teasing. All along. But before we get into that, let's hit the weekly windup with news. Something that everybody has been waiting for Mm -hmm. in regards to the Google Spear and Google Workspace is you can now set up your host controls and assign co hosts ahead of meetings in Google Calendar. So basically, in addition to setting up your Google Meet breakout rooms and in advancing Google Calendar, meeting organizers can now also turn those meeting safety features on or off, such as chat lock, present lock, and more. And you can uh, delineate and designate your co-host before the meeting. So this will allow all those settings, uh, your meetings can flow more smoothly.
1: Yeah, I love this new update. Even though majority of us are not teaching remotely, Anymore, but we still are holding things remotely. I know we have right. a lot of, um, you know, like college fairs and math carnivals and all these different things set up and showcases where, you know, someone's in charge of scheduling all the the connections and then having other people host. So this makes it super easy.
0: Yeah, and I want to say that Google Meet, Zoom, all of the virtual components that came out of the pandemic. That is one positive is that. We're able to communicate and collaborate more without having to be in person. We didn't have that prior to the pandemic. So now that's a plus. You know, you want to jump on a quick meeting with the teacher in between other things, especially in our roles or administrators roles. They can meet with people uh, at the drop of a dime. So it's great.
1: It is great. I love that we're having some experts come into a classroom tomorrow.
0: Exactly. Just we exactly. Meet. Yep and we'd said no classroom updates, and Dan just failed. But anyways, moving <laughs> on. <laughs> uh, you know, the other thing I want to talk about is EdTech in 2025, a glimpse into the education's future. And this is from JotForm, uh, you know, education. And uh, I really wanted to just kind of talk what we talk about, technology becoming a more vital aspect of daily life. And not only does technology become part of our everyday life, it also becomes interconnected with education. So, and I think the misconception of EdTech being, just a conversation about lesson planning. It's Mm -hmm. not. It's such a pivotal role in how teachers, admins, schools, everybody operates and how well students are prepared to succeed in a digital-first future. That's what we have to remember as educators is we are teaching the future and it's going to be the digital-first future, kind of like that uh, next industrial revolution we talked about. Right. So –
1: and very relevant, you know, that this coming out, you know, looking at this as we get into the conversation that we're having later on in this podcast, it's pretty relevant. Yeah. Because um, we bring up, those discussion points were brought up and uh, I'll just, well, I'll have you guys just wait to hear what we have to say about that.
0: Yeah, we were kind of touch base and we had mentioned it previously about AR and VR and if it's ready for prime time or not, dun, dun, dun. right? You know, um, I do think we're going to see how that, how that evolves education within the next three school years and, mm-hmm. and where the ed tech companies go and and where it's going to kind of live in your classroom on a day-to-day basis, you know, as we move forward. So that being said, we are excited for part three, part three. of our conversation with Matt Miller. Now, the big thing with this uh, this week's episode and interview is Uh, Matt really delves in deep. I know we talked a lot about Tech Like a Pirate and his book in our Mm -hmm. last two episodes. However, this one, we are talking about the efficient teach. We're talking about education, post-pandemic, and a lot more without giving away too many, uh, you know, I don't want to spill the beans, so to speak. (laughs) So here we go. Here's Matt Miller. Matt, thank you uh, for your time. Once again, we greatly appreciate you joining Dan and I on the Adventures in Tech podcast. This is part three. We've got a lot of people with bated breath waiting Mm -hmm. for this episode. We did have a full lengthy discussion in regards to uh, your most recent book. I don't want to say your most recent, but your most recently published book, right? We should say Tech Like a Pirate. So uh, excited with, you know, what has come out of that, all the ideas. It really came out at the perfect time right when the pandemic started and really gave those teachers, I don't wanna say normalcy, but just those ideas that they can kind of do to engage their students right away. And now, Matt, before we get into the nitty gritty of everything, can you just briefly tell us the background for those who did not check out the first two episodes, shame on them, but, uh, and how you began your journey leveraging instructional technology.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, uh, Andrew, Dan, thanks again for having me back on the show. always love getting to hang out with you guys. Um, And I'm excited, I'm just as excited to get to come back. So I'm I'm just pumped that some people are looking forward to it. So, (laughs) but um, really a lot of this stuff has come right out of my own classroom. Um, You know, teaching high school Spanish here in Indiana. I started out, I've kind of come through all these different iterations of technology in my classroom from having my one teacher computer and access to a computer lab to having a handful of um you know computers and devices in my classroom to having a cart parked in my room all the time which you know practically made us one-to-one and you know all different versions in between and everything so um as far as the the technology goes i've been you know a, a techie guy and a gadget guy my whole life you know um i played on my uh, commodore 64 as a kid i had a palm pilot as a college student i actually got scolded by one of my professors once for taking notes on a palm pilot because he thought that it was not reliable <laughs> as paper and i'm like okay but i can access and he he wasn't hearing it so it was just it's it's okay it is what it is but um But yeah, I've just, you know, throughout my entire career in education from being a teacher to, um, you know, to, to doing professional development with teachers and stuff, I've just always been sort of super focused on what can the technology do to level up instruction and to level up learning. And that seems like such a simplistic look at it, but it's really sort of the heart, isn't it? Because we've all seen examples where technology has come into the classroom and everybody says, oh, it's the wave of the future. Oh, this is, this is the kid's future. This is like what, what we need to be doing. We need to make sure that we're using technology. And then of course, you know, we're looking at it from completely the, the, the wrong direction. So um, it's been my, my goal as a teacher to go, okay, we have this here how can this technology here level up what it is that we're doing in class? Like I've got these lessons that I'm going to be doing this week, next week, next month. Like, can the technology that we've got heighten the experience? Can they, can it level it up? Can it make it more efficient for kids to learn? Does it make it more memorable? Does it make it an experience? Like I'm always looking for practical answers to that. And, um, kind of like protocols and how-tos so that we can build that stuff out ourselves. And, um, you know, I was doing it myself in the classroom and wrote, you know, just tons of blog posts about examples that came right out of my class. And now that I'm doing it as professional development, it's like, this is my full-time job. I look at the technology that's out there. I look at what teachers are trying to accomplish, and I try to figure out how they can go together so that kids learn better. That's just, that's, that's the big focus, I think.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of teachers would appreciate that, you know, you're not just talking the talk, you've actually done the walk, the walk. So you've done it. So, you know, you can relate to that. And they're like, okay, this is like concrete stuff that will work in the classroom.
2: Yeah. And that's my that's my favorite stuff. You know, now that now that I do this on, you know, now that this is this is my job, my favorite thing is to share ideas that um, teachers can use and then see them showing up in classroom pictures on Twitter, where people have taken pictures of it in class and said, oh my gosh, this was great. Or I go to a school and, or a school district and I do a workshop and they re- respond back to me and they say, teachers were trying this out the very next day in class and they were loving it. Like, that's how I know that this stuff works. And that's a that's a bar that I set for myself. You know, like, I don't wanna just say, oh, go try this thing, go try this thing. And hopefully it'll work, you know, like this is, that's that's the stuff that I'm always shooting for.
1: And you know the one thing that you you brought up in that that I think is so important is the technology was secondary to the outcomes. yeah, you know you know, and, and that's something that we always you know it's just trying to get away from that bright shiny object and be like, "Oh, I can use this really cool tool, but where is it really going to get you? You know, am I going to spend like forty five minutes teaching a student how to use a tool when I can use something that they're comfortable with to get to get that um to get that outcome that i'm I'm looking for. So we definitely do appreciate that and i think the the authenticity that that you bring to the table is you know great and i think that's why you've been able to make such a connection with us and a, a connection with a lot of educators out there um so i know you've kind of alluded to it but it's you know something that we we like to ask and we and we always wonder so if you can sum it up like with everything that you're doing what is your why oh,
2: i know it's is- yeah, it's a that's a big that's a big question. It's my a why? Big question. Yeah, um, yeah. And so. you know, I lo- that's one of the things broadly. Real quick, before I answer that question, one of the things I love about education and sort of the landscape that we've got now is that we have all of these different, you know teachers in the classroom, and we have authors, and we have people that we can find on social media, and all of us have a different why. And it's like, whenever you put all of those whys together, there's somebody that resonates with you, you know, if you're going to go look for someone who you need inspiration from, like, you can find a why that that resonates with you. And that's what I love about our landscape right now. And a big part of mine, my, my big focus is so much on doing great, engaging instruction, you know, like, To me, what really fills me up is seeing a room full of kids and they get to do activities or they get to do, you know, self-driven learning or student-centered learning or something that is interesting. And you see them in the classroom buzzing about it or leaving the classroom and talking about what they're doing in class. And it's not just, oh, we're going to go in and watch a movie. Oh, we're going to go in and play a game just for fun. And, oh, we're going to, I'm going to bring chips and salsa to class because kids like food, you know, like, no, this is the kind of stuff that, you know, that, that lights up the instruction that turns it into something meaningful so that they can learn more efficiently, learn more effectively. The research shows that, you know, the, the emotion and the, um, you know, sort of like the the experience of learning and the effectiveness of it staying in the long term, all of that stuff goes hand in hand, you know. So that's my, my big long-winded answer for what my why is, is that I want kids to be engaged in learning that's interesting to them, that's enjoyable so that the teachers enjoy it and the students enjoy it. I mean, for goodness sake, we've got so many teachers that are dealing with burnout and are leaving profession. And, you know, we need a little bit of love too. And we got into this education profession for a reason. We wanted to make a difference in kids' lives and we wanted to help them learn and we wanted to enjoy the process. And so yeah, I want to do it for the students, but I also want to do it for the teachers because there's some really good teachers out there that I don't want leaving the profession because those kids need those teachers. So it's kind of a hand-in-hand thing. I think it's for the engagement and appreciation and enjoyment of learning for the students, but it's also for the teachers too.
1: Um, thank you. I wish I wish our listeners could actually see your face as you were doing that, because you know you're talking about lighting up. Your face lit up and yeah. showed how excited you were about it. So you can tell, right? right? Yeah. I can yeah. Tell yeah, immediately. And yeah. you know, I'm just going to piggyback on that question because you kind of led into something else we were looking for. You said you know, looking for people's why. Where do you look for? Where do you find your motivation? Where do you go
2: out and look? Yeah, and um, my motivation as far as like, what fuels that why that I just elaborated on? Um, exactly. Well, for me, um, I've got three kids here at home. Um, I've got a sixth grade boy and an eighth grade girl and a 10th grade girl. And I see them go to school. And when we come back, you know, I'll, I write about education. I train teachers. You know, I, I provide resources on my website to help teachers teach. So, you know, I'm all about instruction and education being done well. So I'm constantly asking them, what did you do in school today? You know, how did it go? How did you feel about it? That kind of stuff. And whenever I get really good responses to that, that encourages me. So I guess my, my why kind of is fueled personally for me by my kids, because I see the three of them at home. And I realized that they're kind of like proxies for all of the rest of the children in schools all over the United States and all over the world, you know? um, A parallel experience to this in some ways is happening in homes all over the world where kids go to school, kids come home. They've had an experience with it. They've actually had some meaningful learning or not happen and a lot of that hinges on how the teacher prepares and how the teacher plans and how the teacher reacts to you know how the kids show up and what the assessment shows and you know like all a lot of that stuff hinges on the teacher and that's a big responsibility you know that's like yeah. heavy 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 stuff on on our shoulders and so i always figure from for me anyway my why is understanding that that, that teachers have to deal with that heavy weight on their shoulders every day. And man, they need somebody if they, if they could get somebody to help them out with that. That's that's what what I'm all about. So, yeah, I think for me, it always hits home with my own three Miller kids that come home and tell me about school and tell me about what's going on and, and everything. And I want to do it for them so that if it works for them, there's a chance that it might work for others. And maybe, maybe, maybe it'll scale up, you know,
0: I think that it's great in that sense that Dan and I are both dads as well. And you're right. You look for your kids. That's what we do a lot of things for. Mm -hmm. So that really hits home. And I think that would hit home with a lot of the listeners as well. All right. So we know you have five books out and we're curious as to where the whole idea of the efficient teach has come from the crowdsourcing and kind of curious as to that, I'm so happy
2: that you. Ask me about
1: this (laughs) i can't i i've gone. i love looking at that just bringing it up every day or two and seeing everything that's been added to it and all those comments on the side of the doc it's amazing
2: yeah 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 so um here's where that that all came from um you know just over the last year or so i've been um i've been looking at some you know i've I'm just like anybody else, you know, I'm looking for solutions, I'm looking for ideas. And so I've been diving into some, you know, research and best practices and stuff, you know, wading through some of the boring stuff that people don't like to sit down and look at. And um, I keep coming across all of these good research-based strategies for teaching that will help kids learn more effectively. But it doesn't necessarily take a whole lot of extra time. Like, you know, you, you look at I'm just going to pick one example here, like um, classroom makeovers. You see these, you know, great, big, elaborate classroom makeovers where the teacher spent so much time, um, you know, hanging things on the walls and getting costumes and making little cute things for every single kid and all of that stuff. And that has, you know, that has its benefits. But I also look at the trade-off for some of the things that we do in class like that, that take tons and tons of time for time strapped teachers anyway. And I ask, you know, like, how much impact does this have on on learning? So I wanted to flip that script. And I wanted to go, what are the things that have huge impact on learning that don't take as much time? And so, you know, the big focus of this efficient teach project is to um, teach better and save time for what matters most. That's kind of like the slogan for it. And the idea behind it is basically this, um, you know, I just decided it's me and um, Carly, Carly Mora, my uh, blog editor at Ditch That Textbook. Um, she's phenomenal. And so between the two of us, we've just been kind of like brainstorming a whole bunch of uh, topics and ideas that that all of these practices could fall under. And we wanted to just start sharing them. You know, the big the big idea is if we can get more of these, you know, more of this research-based, more of these research-based teaching practices that are powerful, that work, that can save teachers time and help them to do better work, maybe those burned out teachers will get some of that stuff and will have some more time so that they can go home and relax, you know, so they can go home and do what matters to them so they don't feel like their teaching job is all consuming over and over and over again all the time. And so um, if anybody's curious about what we're talking about here, you can just go to efficientteach.com. So it's like efficient, E-A-C-H, like efficient, yep. and teach share the T, you know. And um, it just takes you to a page on my website where it goes through all of these different topics that we're going to be sharing resources on and sharing teaching strategies on. So we've got like engaged students, um, communication, you know, like how you communicate with um students but also how you communicate with their you know their parents and guardians and loved ones because if you get that support at home that lifts up what happens in the classroom too um it goes all the way down to like you know memorization and long-term learning uh how do you practice efficiently uh how do you give feedback you know just all all of that different stuff and so um the idea with this project is that um we're gonna gather all of this stuff i'm approaching it as if i was approaching a book I'm, it's almost like I'm writing a book, but right. it's going on the website for free. So all you've got to do is really just go to efficientteach.com, and you can go check out all of those resources um, and see everything that that we're we're creating. So the goal is to create a big, robust, comprehensive um, package of resources that teachers can access anytime, and hopes that those great teachers don't get burned out and are able to use some of this stuff so that they can continue on with this important work. Right. So it's almost
0: like an ebook. And you know, I was going to say, you know, when is it published, finalized? I didn't know if you were going into the book route, but essentially you just said it's going to live on uh off of the website. Do you see it continue to evolve annually or are you going to have like a Volume one, volume two? Like, how do you foresee this going uh, as we move forward?
2: I don't know yet. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, I we, we just kind of started it out as a big idea. And um, and yeah, I mean, we're just sort of like taking it step by step right now. But I could see it being, you know, like one spot that we continuously add stuff to it. I mean, really, the, the goal of this um, project is very much aligned with you know, my, 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 why, I guess, you know, like my, my right. big, my big picture. So it would be easy to continue to adding, continue adding things to it because it's just what we do, you know? So I, I could see something like this continually being added to for the foreseeable future, I guess. We'll see, I, I guess, you know? Yeah, that's
1: great. I, I can definitely see it just, just existing. It's yes. every, It's so organic that it's mm-hmm. just, it just exists. And that, that's just brilliant behind it, putting it out there. So, thank you for that. Absolutely. All right. So, I'm going to skip around on the, on the questions a little bit, but it just made me think last time we spoke, because um, I was re listening to that, that last podcast mm-hmm. and we were talking and we, we got into a conversation about maybe things that were overrated or not quite ready for, right. um, for prime time in terms of educational technology. And it was funny what you said was AR and VR at that point, you're like, Oh, I'm not sure if that's ready. yet." So Andrew and I kind of took it as a challenge. Like, what can we do is AR VR ready for prime time. And we really started experimenting in that field and coming up with some really cool things. But it is challenging. Um, But just, you know, thinking about that, um, what what are your thoughts on where educational technology will be within the next five years?
2: Oh, man. Um, Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good question. Um, You know, There's there's a lot of okay, so I think where the vast majority of teachers in the classroom are is one place. And where you see people on the cutting edge and where you see some of the ed tech startup companies are is sometimes in another place. Right. And so we start to kind of like, you know, I kind of see it. I'm trying to think of a good analogy here. Um, It's almost like, okay picture an aquarium. Okay. And so in this aquarium, you have a little castle and you have, you know, some like little trees and stuff like that. And as you, um, as you fill the water up, some of that stuff is still kind of sticking above the water, right? I kind of feel like the water is like where the collective, where the collective capacity is for Uh, the vast majority of teachers out there and so you'll see some things like the castle that are reaching up out of the water way up high out of the water and we're not quite there and it's good that they reach up there and it's good that we stretch ourselves and we figure out where we could go but i think that where the water level is right now is is still very much you know we're still trying to figure out we're, we're good with a google doc you know, we're good with a google doc we're good with a set of google slides we can do those presentations we can do our email we can do a kahoot game we can do quizlet flashcards. you know there's a handful of those things that we're really good at i think where we need to go next and which is a little different than the question you asked which is where do you see education technology in five years i'm saying where we need to go which is a little bit different a little bit different answer but i think where we need to go next is you know, surprise, surprise, this is what I was talking about at the open of this episode, um, is trying to figure out how all of that stuff supports great learning. So um, I'm actually working on a, a little resource right now for a group of teachers about um, using flashcards effectively, using like Quizlet flashcards effectively. And, you know, flashcards don't seem like a very, you know, sexy way of using technology in the classroom. You know, it's not like super exciting, but the research still backs up the use, the, the um, systematic use of repetitions to build long-term memory and long-term memory is still a big part. You've got to have that base of long-term memory before you can build upon it. And so I'm working with them to, to see how you can use it beyond just flip, 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 flip through the flashcards. Like, you know, it, it builds upon, um, you know, what cognitive science tells us about, Um, interleaving and spacing and, um, you know, getting repetitions on the things that we need work on and everything. Like, that's just an example of taking something that's like sort of basic foundational ed tech, but then adding what research tells us about what makes for lasting learning, you know. So, um, you know, I think that, we can continue to build upon those basic tech skills that I see a lot of people have. And then where do we go beyond that? Like, yeah, we know how to use slides, but, and we can make slides to do presentations in the front of the class, but can we use slides in some of those great ways that edu protocols do? You know, where we do something like um, Iron Chef, you know, where we dice up the, the lesson and we have students gather information about it and then do little presentations about it. Um, You know, can we create things like, you know, little stop motion animations or choose your own adventure type stories um, on slides to create with what we're learning? You know, I think that's what I hope in the next five years is the 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 water level rising in the aquarium to continue to push my very forced analogy there Mm -hmm. Um, that hopefully as that goes up we'll be able to take some of those tools and take some of those basic skills and apply it. Um, Where I think we actually will be, I I hate to say, this is a little bit of the pessimist in in me, I'm afraid that we're going to continue chasing the shiny, flashy new things. And so we're going to continue to see things come up that are like the castle in the aquarium, that are way up above where we really are, and we'll go, Oh, look at the top of that castle. Oh, that's so cool. And we're going to go chase those things, but we don't have the rest of the base built in. And so I'm afraid that we're going to chase some of those shiny things that don't serve our students or that don't have the impact on the kind of learning that we want to do because we want to chase the shiny things. So I know that was kind of like a long, convoluted answer to your question. Hopefully, I kind of touched on where you wanted to go on that
1: no it was great and thank you for pivoting the question to where you think we should be yeah um, because that's definitely a better question and you know as as we think about i think it it does go back to what you said in the beginning of of what the whole goal is for using the technology and getting its outcomes you know made me think of like all right where would i like to see everything happen in the next five years and i would just for me i would love to see companies and things out there just start Not quite, but start putting more pieces together so you can blend different types of things into one area. You know, like Google Slides is great, and Jamboard is great, and each has its advantage. But like, if you really focus on how you can bring things together um, so students can, you can really harness student creativity and collaboration and be able to use multiple tools and multiple means of expression in one area and building up that
2: capacity. I'd love Mm -hmm. to see more in that. Yeah, and you know, to, to kind of speak to that a little bit, I think in with some of the third party tools, I've been so encouraged about how some of them really work together. Um, some of the ones that I've seen work together with other brands to create really nice integrations like um, I think of, you know, like Wakelet and Pear Deck and Edpuzzle and you know, there's a there's a variety of those um, Screencastify has done some stuff like that, I think, like, you know, there's a handful of those third party tools that, um, you know, Flipgrid has done a whole bunch of stuff, especially when they got acquired by Microsoft, they've started folding a lot of great Microsoft stuff into what they do when they, you know, connect with, um, you know, Canvas, another example of that, like, um, yeah, when they all start working together, I think, that encourages me with that vision that you just spoke of, Dan. You know, like if everything could kind of be folded together so that we don't have to piecemeal things together, and we don't have when everybody's working together on the same team, so to speak. Like that's that's super powerful, and I'm encouraged that you know I'm I'm seeing some of the companies, not necessarily all of them, but some of the companies are starting to play well together, and I think that that sort of leads in that direction a little bit.
1: Absolutely, one of the third-party um, applications that I love uh is moat um and giving that audio feedback i i I use that all the time it's fantastic Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so we won't keep you too much longer that's okay but kind of thinking back on everything because i know we have our thoughts on this as well but we were just wondering what what is your maybe biggest positive
2: takeaway involving technology that came out of the pandemic oh yeah out of the pandemic okay um well, i think you know big picture one of one of the big things that that i think came out of it and you know i'll i'll give the the caveat that anybody does when we're talking about pandemic era teaching that um i hate that cuz I, I you know my my face just sort of lit up when you talk to i and that's the 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 reason that we got to where we are now is terrible and it's something that, that we certainly don't want to wish on anybody. Um but we did live through it and we did get forced to do some things that we didn't weren't that we wouldn't do otherwise. And I think that big picture, the general big picture thing is that that we were kind of forced out of our comfort zone. And so now we have lots of teachers that will come back to more of a face-to-face setting and they love the face-to-face setting and you know they um have a new appreciation for it when it was kind of taken away from them but they also were going you know during the pandemic I tried x y and z and I never would have tried them x was terrible I'll never do that again but y and z were okay and I actually kind of love z and so I'm going to continue to do that and so um you know I think generally that's one of the big things that um that I think has been fantastic about it is that we have been forced to try new things that are going to keep some of them. Now, what are some of those, some of them's, right? I've seen some teachers do, um, you know, check-ins with their, like little check-in surveys with their students, because whenever they weren't with them face-to-face, they couldn't see their body language and read their faces and, you know, get that little interaction on the way in to see, oh man, so-and-so's not having a good day. Oh, something's up with them. Something's wrong. I need to intervene in whatever way I can as a teacher, you know? Um, so they started trying to do that with like little Google Forms check-ins, you know, how are you doing and everything. And they started to hear from every single kid and they heard things that they wouldn't hear otherwise. And so out of remote you know, emergency, remote teaching has come this great teaching practice of let's check in with the kids every single day or a couple times a week or maybe once a week or something so that we can hear some of those things that... We just don't have the ability to ask every single kid every day. Like you can't scale a teacher up to give all of that, you know, face to face time with every single kid. That's one thing. Um, and then I think um, also the use of some form of a back channel communication. Uh, you know, when when teachers were teaching over Zoom, um, one of the things I kept hearing was I kind of love the Zoom chat. You know, for for some ways, I kind of love being able to hear from every single kid, and they don't have to put up their hand and answer out loud in front of the whole class, which is embarrassing and sometimes scary to do. Um, it sort of empowered every kid's voice, and so now some teachers are using comments inside of a Google Doc, or they're using a tool like Backchannelchat.com that lets them have a um, you know sort of like a chat window for everybody. Um, you know, there's there's a variety of different ways that that I think teachers are, are using that but those are a couple of specific things I think that came out of the pandemic that have sort of changed the, the way that we interact with kids face-to-face, too.
0: Yeah, and I do think that the positives that it came out is our teacher's capacity has gone up tenfold, let's say. Nah. And where you yeah. were going with, you know, how we can actually use the tools and slides instead of just a presentation versus dicing it up and using it for student engagement, I believe you're right. That is the next level that we should get our, our colleagues to instead of just using it as a tool to present the content or information yeah. that you're trying to do. So I think that's kind of great. Another positive that came out of the you know the pandemic and how we can now harness that that knowledge that was consumed and push it to the next
2: level. And can I piggyback on that for just a second? Sure. I'm yeah. glad you brought that up because um, you said maybe that's the next thing that we can help our colleagues get to is finding you know those those sort of innovative, creative, different ways of using the same old tool. So I'm going to give a you know sort of a challenge to the people who provide professional development because you see, I think if that's the vision. If that's where we want to go, then professional development has to change too. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of that tool-centric, oh, here is, we were were just talking about earlier, I was talking about Quizlet because I'm doing some stuff on that right now. Like, okay, here's Quizlet. Let me give you some professional development about Quizlet. Here's how you make a flashcard. Here's how you make a class. Here's how you share the link To students okay professional development done class dismissed and like that's not going to help us level up our use of it so i think i think professional development has to evolve as well if we want practice inside of the classroom to change then the professional development has to evolve to equip teachers with those meaningful ways to actually use those things and even if we don't give them the you know every single use case of this Okay, here's a tool. Here are three ways that you can use it. But also, if you want to think of other ways to do it yourself, here's some things to consider. It's like right. that 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 old proverb of if you give a man a fish, you'll feed him for a day, But if you teach him to fish, then you feed him for a lifetime. like we need to we need to be teaching teachers how to fish. And even if we're not teaching them exactly how to, we need to be like talking about the concept of fishing, and yeah, I'm pushing more analogies farther than <laughs> they probably need to again. It's That's good. just what I do, I guess. <laughs> No, but you know, you, you bring
1: up a good point. And I think going remote and hybrid put teachers into that uncomfortable position where, you know, they may have heard about it all before, but now they really had to like rise and take the action and, and work in that digital environment mm-hmm. and, and opened up their eyes to a lot of different things. I see um, you know, coming out of it, a lot of teachers have been able to really redesign their learning experiences because they realized the power of like cloning their classrooms and and doing all these things can create so many more opportunities for for students, and you know, putting more of a focus on student creativity and student-centered classroom um, coming out of it. So that that's definitely a positive. And from the professional development, I. You know, he said, All right, here's where, you know, we're going to teach you about Quizlet or whatever. I don't think we need to do that anymore. It's like, nope, oh, no. here's no. a short little video, you know, or here's some animated GIFs, you know, we'll put it into this. This is, this will show you how to use the tool. But now let's talk about the process and the pedagogy. And I think we can yeah. have real conversations that way.
2: Yeah, it's like instead of you you could replace that professional development about Quizlet by saying, OK, let's talk about retrieval practice. Let's mm-hmm. talk about right. cognitive science. Let's talk about how to space out your practice so that forgetting becomes a part of the learning. You know, let's talk about. Um, interleaving and about how if you mix things up that that's powerful and oh by the way if you're using a tool like quizlet just pushing the shuffle button is a simple way that that students can get more learning out of it like in that case we're talking about the you know what we know about learning instead of just the tool Um, and it you know it puts the emphasis on what's going to help the learning get better Mm -hmm. instead of the tool that we want to push on them for them to use
0: yeah, and shifting it from the the mindset of having okay, how do I use this tool? Is how do I use this tool more effectively and efficiently? Yes, and that's the question where the the value of PD comes in, and that's kind of gonna you know spiral into where we're gonna discuss next uh, as we start to wrap things up. Is we are very fortunate here in our district that we get to have Matt coming in person for a-
2: <laughs> now, yes.
0: It's an audio podcast, so you can't see Matt's reaction, but he literally just looked like Rocky conquering the steps, you know? <laughs> just pumps and everything. Yes, exactly. But, you know, we're excited that you're going to be coming uh, to New York. Uh, have you ever done a lot of stuff in New York?
2: A, l- a little bit up like Buffalo, Rochester, like that, that area. Not so much down where you all are, though. Yeah. So Matt will you're be in for a the
0: Hudson Valley. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. It's
1: so we're excited. It's beautiful here. Not that I we're biased or anything, but it's beautiful here. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: We're excited that you're gonna be joining us for a full day of professional development with a good number of our educators. I'd say almost 65, 70% of them will be able to join us that day, yes. teachers, teaching assistants. So it's going to be exciting. That's coming up for our professional development day. Do you have any, I don't wanna say teasers, so to speak, uh, Matt, but what do you, you wanna just give them a little bit of, yeah. of what you're kind of planning?
2: Yes, 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 100% yes. Um, so a couple of things that I'll get to do while I'm there Um, we're kicking this off with a, with a keynote speech, I believe. And um, I'll I'll tell you this, I take uh, keynote speeches at uh, school districts and conferences very seriously. That doesn't mean that they're serious, but I take them Mm -hmm. seriously in that I craft the experience very carefully. So there are going to be several surprises. Um, I will bring a suitcase that has several costume changes in it. There will be (laughs) props on the stage and... There's another like video worthy moment in like the first third to half of the speech that I'm not going to, I'm not going to spill on the podcast, right. but I'm oh. just going to say, yeah, there, there are going to be, there are going to be some moments. This is, this is a, a keynote speech that I've, I've worked on for a couple of years now and kind of continually trying to improve on it. But then when we get to do some of the like hands-on stuff together all yep. of the stuff i was talking about earlier about making it practical having it based in you know research and what works and good practice and everything but also having fun with it that's going to be the the big focus of all of it. So if you get to be in on some of my workshop sessions, my focus always is to equip you with things that you can use in classroom in the classroom like the very next day. That will put smiles on your students' faces and will level up learning. Like that's what it's all going to be about. So yeah, I, it's it should it should be a lot of fun. I am super pumped about this. Ah, oh, you said super
0: pumped. I thought you were going to say super excited.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. Gosh, I yeah, I need to dust that that statement off and and start using it again. (laughs)
0: No, that's okay. I like super pumped as well. You know, yeah. and it's tying together, you know, because we launched our first couple episodes which you calling you the Maverick Educator, right? Yes. And that was yes. coming out. That's it. So, uh, you know, we are super excited. We can say it there that yeah. you are coming and we have a whole day with you. And I like how at the end, we're bringing it all back together for a reflection for everybody just to yeah. say, you know, all the good vibes yeah. and, and all the, the good feels that come out of the
2: professional development day. Absolutely, yeah. No, that's cool. And that's something that when I go to schools and school districts, and stuff, a lot of times they don't do that reflection at the end, which is funny because everywhere that we've studied education and you know, what makes learning last, reflection's got to be a part of it. You know, There's this uh, quote that's attributed to John Dewey that says something to the effect of we don't learn by doing, we learn by reflecting on doing. And so whenever we're able to reflect on it, that's what makes it stick. That's what makes it make meaning. And that doesn't just work for kids. That's like learning for humans, for human beings in general. And so getting a chance to do that and to go back over the things that were important to us and how we want to go forward, like that's just good, solid learning that we get to do as adults, as professionals.
0: Awesome. Dan, any final thoughts for Matt?
2: Nope. Just thank you for your time and for sharing everything and definitely looking forward to you coming here in May. Yes, me too. Thanks.
0: So that's going to wrap up this episode. Again, Matt, thank you so much. By the time this airs, it'll be just about 10 days away from your big appearance here in the Big Apple State. So we are uh, excited by the time we push this out. It's teased perfectly, uh, set it up perfectly for a home run and we can't wait to have you here in person. So Matt Miller, again, you can find him online at jmattmiller at DitchThatTextbook.com and definitely check out all of his books. going to have all kinds of goodies when he comes here with us. So we're
2: excited. Thank you again, Matt. Thank you. I really enjoyed it, guys. Really appreciate it. Well, there it is.
0: You heard it here first. Matt Miller will be coming to the Hudson Valley. Very excited to Very have Matt excited. joining us at one of our professional development days coming up in May. We are excited that he will be joining us and good chunk of our faculty and colleagues, administrators, support staff to teach and just really invigorate their style of teaching as we move forward in a one-to-one environment, specifically at our secondary schools. Lastly, sticker request. You want some swag? We will post it in the show notes. Any final thoughts, Dan? Nope.
1: Just uh, want to thank Matt again for a wonderful interview and for him um, taking the time to talk with all of us. Really learned a lot from him and really got to see you know, a lot about what he was about and his motivations and where he sees things going.
0: And in one future episode, we will have a recap of uh, Matt's presentations for the Professional Development Day. So that'll be great. Uh, once again, thank you for all your support. Listening on all the platforms, leaving us reviews. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions please reach out we'll talk to you soon tech hard work smart live and adventure find andrew on all socials at a nicola tech and dan at wcsd tech dr